Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to the basement. I'm still here in New York and I'm thrilled to be. I'm not going to Arizona for a couple more days. I'm going Thursday morning, really early flight out of New York. And I have to tell you, when I see the shots and I listen to the radio clips from Radio Row, I'm just fine being here right now. I am. I spent a decade going to Radio Row every single uh, first week in February. A lot of great memories, but it is just so icky. And it is one of the strangest places on the planet. And it's so much screaming and so many antics. And I just, I, the same player going with the same can of cat food that they've teamed up with for the week, going from show to show to show. You know the deal. I'm not there. I'm here. I'm in the basement. I'm in New York. Thrilled to be here. I'm going to talk about the player that I love in the Super Bowl. I'm going to talk about something that I hate, that I am personally so nervous about, that's going to go down over the next 72 hours. And we're going to get into the Philadelphia Eagles fans. I know a lot of them. I've been amongst them. I was at the Super Bowl parade. I'll tell you about it. And they're getting ready to have their prom, have their prom in the state of Arizona, the Eagles fans. Plus, we have Takes on Takes, Stephen A. Smith versus Michael Irvin, and all kinds of fun. It's what we do. And we always start with what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Let's go. Oh, I hit the light. Just once, I wish I could do something cool with the basketball to start the show. I was going to throw it over my shoulder, not low look. Thought maybe it would go in, become this like cool little gift or something. No, it hit the light. Barely got out of my hand. Uh, I love that Jalen Hurts is in the Super Bowl. In fact, I just love this across the board. I love Jalen Hurts. I find myself instantly rooting for him when I see him play, when I see him do an interview, when I see him on social media. I have this very positive association with him where I just see it, and I hope it works out, and I like him. And I don't know, do you? I find him incredibly likable for a lot of reasons. The story, which we'll get into, that's been talked about a lot, is going to continue to be talked about a lot, especially if he wins this weekend. Um, I like how he handles the media. He's soft-spoken, but he's not meek or reserved. Uh, he's assertive without being abrasive, without crossing the line. The guy's handsome as hell. He looks cool in his clothes without being over the top. He looks good on the field. I love his throwing motion. I love that he runs, but it's not all he can do. I just love everything about him. And I remember loving him back from college. Look, this has been talked about ad nauseum, but this is part of his lore. This is the fact that he was benched in the middle of being one of the extremely successful Alabama quarterbacks in the middle of the title of the game by Nick Saban. And Nick Saban went up to him and said, you're sitting down. What? You're benching me? Yeah, I am. I'm benching you. I, I think we're going to go with this young guy, this little guy, Tua. And he gets in there and it was the right call. And I was, uh, we had Jalen Hurts' father uh, was on Good Morning Football. And he was talking about that moment for his son when he was benched by Nick Saban in the middle of the title game and what it was like for him and how it immediately taught him the the business factor of football and that you're celebrated one day, but this too shall pass and you'll be knocked down immediately and understand you have to have really thick skin. And if you can be benched by the greatest college football coach ever in the biggest stage in college football, believe me, you can be benched anywhere and you can be shipped off anywhere. So then he comes out of college, he finds this second act in Oklahoma. And I love that he was drafted by the Eagles in the second round, because this was a shock, all right? So 2020 draft, this is the COVID draft. This is Roger Goodell in the basement, the Joe Burrow number one overall pick draft. And the second round picks are starting to come on day two. And it's the Steelers take Chase Claypool. 
Bears take Jalen Johnson. The Dallas Cowboys take Trayvon Diggs. The LA Rams take Cam Akers. And with the 53rd overall pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Jalen Hurts, quarterback from Oklahoma. At best, it was a huge surprise that they took him. At worst, it was a disastrous pick and a stupid pick. You've got Carson Wentz right there. He's got this massive contract. What are you doing? Why would you do that? It was apoplectic in Philadelphia across the media. No one understood the pick. No one understand why they were doing that. You have Carson for all his faults. He's really talented. Why would you sign him to that long-term deal? I don't know. A, they saw something in Carson they didn't like, and a few teams have seen that since then. And B, they say they saw something in Jalen Hurts that they loved. And they took him, and now here we are in the bleeping Super Bowl. It's not just that the Eagles are back a handful of years later after that last one. It's they're back, and they're so different. It's not like they ran back the Doug Peterson, Nick Foles, slash Carson Wentz thing and finally got through the NFC and got to the Super Bowl. They just... They got their core four. They got Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, and Fletcher Cox, and pretty much everybody else on the roster is different. It's really, really cool that they did it. But I love the Jalen Hurts part of it. I love the story and how he got here, and I love the fact that they are 16-1. and 16-1 with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. That's the biggest reason I picked them to win the Super Bowl. I think they're going to win 31-20, is that they have one loss ever this whole season with him. One loss. And it was a very strange... Divisional loss to the Commanders. They lost to them. Every other team they have beaten when Jalen Hurts was starting. I saw our guy Sal Palantonio, who's covered the Eagles, I think, around the time since I was born. He's straight up said this week, he's the best Eagles team of all time. This is the best team they've ever had. And their quarterback is unflappable. There's something about him where uh, we, we, we have so many little metrics to judge quarterbacks with and the accuracy and the next-gen stats and this and that and this, and those are all great. There's something just about body language and poise. That's my next-gen stat. Do they look like they're calm? Are they cool? When it's third and nine and they're running around and the wind is blowing and the defense is blitzing and nobody's open, how do they look? Did they drop the ball? Did they throw an interception? Or are they just chill? Jalen Hurts is one of those guys who looks like he literally doesn't sweat during games. Doesn't sweat. I'm talking about he doesn't perspire. He's that calm, that cool. Very few athletes I can say that about. I remember Dennis Robin would never sweat. He played 38 minutes for the Bulls, run up and down the court like a gazelle and not have an ounce of sweat on him. Jalen Hurts feels like that to me. And the second he showed up. Remember that viral moment when he was walking off the field, the FedEx field against Washington, and these Eagles fans are reaching over the balcony and the entire thing collapses on him and almost kills him? He's like, oh, whoops, here, you guys need help? Just cool. I don't think anything rattles him. I was talking this morning about you know, how good Mahomes is and this angle that I've talked about where the Eagles haven't played a great quarterback in the last two months and then when they've played the really good ones, they've gotten lit up and get up a lot of points. What if the Chiefs just jump out on fire and it's Mahomes up and down the field and it's 14-0 after the first quarter and the Eagles just can't just run behind that old line like Jalen Hurts has to start chucking it. I think he can. I do. I believe in him. I trust him. I think he's been to the highest stage. I think he's played the best ball. I think he is completely fearless. I think his pulse does not bounce. I really, really like him. I love how he handles his business. I have since the second he came in. I love the story in college. I think it made him who he is. I love the story that he shows up as a backup. 10 seconds later, seemingly, Carson Wentz is gone and they're like, Jalen, you're the guy. Took a shot on him, took a shot on Sirianni, both here in the Super Bowl as favorites, by the way. And I think they went 31 to 20, and I think Jalen Hurts is the Super Bowl MVP, and we have a lot to talk about on Monday. I love the guy. Let's get to what I hate, though.
So I had to make this personal between you guys and me. Uh, I'm really, really nervous about something. I don't get nervous about a ton and I don't get embarrassed about almost anything. But Thursday night, as you may know, is the NFL Honors Award Show. It is the football Oscars, it is our Grammys, it is our Tonys, Emmys, Oscars, all that in one night. And you get in the theater and it looks just like that. And I'm sure you've seen it. They hand out the award for Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, MVP. All the athletes are there, all the agents, all the TV execs, all the celebrity singers, everything in this theater. And I've attended it before in the audience. And it's just got all the trimmings of your standard award show. And it's, it's prestigious. And there's a lot of personalities and stuff. Well, I'm really nervous because I found out about a week or two ago that the NFL, in their wisdom, has decided that there's going to be an Angry Run of the Year award. Angry Run's the thing I've done for years in Good Morning Football where I hoot and holler and scream and hand out an actual scepter to whoever has the most physically dominant run of that week. Done it for years. Josh Allen has a bunch. Derrick Henry has a whole closet full. You probably know if you watch this, you know what I'm talking about. So. I figured, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm, that's really cool, it's really flattering. I think it's so cool that I get to do this. So what are they gonna do? They're gonna pair me with like an all-time angry runner. I'm gonna be with Earl Campbell or Marshawn Lynch and we're gonna walk up and we're gonna read the little script in the teleprompter, open an envelope and hand it out to somebody. I, I can handle that, that's easy. I've seen that a million times on TV. I'm not worried about that. No, in fact, the plan is <laughs> for me to do the angry runs segment, basically in the theater, meaning shirt, scepter, come out, scream the premise, scream the nominees, and run up and down the aisle of the theater in between all the dignitaries, luminaries, commissioner, hall of famers, from person to person, nominee to nominee, with the scepter on a live microphone, screaming like a moron, maybe thinking that no one in the theater knows what the hell I'm doing or why I'm doing it. I have to tell you, I am so nervous about it. I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm worried about what I'm gonna say. I'm worried that when I run off the stage, I'm gonna fall down the stairs. No doubt, I'm definitely worried about that. I'm worried that when I run back up the stage, I'm gonna fall up the stairs, all of that. And I'm worried that uh, I'm gonna swear, which I don't do on TV, I'm worried I'm gonna do that. I'm worried that mostly that no one in the audience is gonna know what the hell I'm doing. Like, if you know Angry Runs and you've seen it before, oh, he's doing Angry Runs, blah, 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 blah. Sure, but if you're just sitting there with your date or your wife or your husband or what the hell, and one second we're going from comeback story of the year to coach of the year to who is this idiot and what is he screaming about and why is he in a t-shirt? What, what am I watching? So worried about it. So the plan is to just go a thousand out of 10. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna go halfway. I'm going to turn it up if anything. And if they like it, they like it. And if they don't, it'll be over soon and I can just get the hell off the stage and start drinking. It's Thursday night and I, I find myself wondering, all right, who's gonna be there in the audience that I know knows the segments and knows what I'm doing? Certainly a handful of players, handful of media people, but then there's also like, who's on the guest list that night? Who's on the presenter list? Who may be like, who is this idiot? So presenters will include, this is the list. Derek Brooks, the Hall of Famer for the Bucks. Don't know if he knows it, but Derek Brooks is cool. I like him. Ray Lewis, who I just met last week. I think Ray will have my back. <laughs> Joe Namath. 
Joe, I think Joe's up for anything. I think Joe's a party. I'm not worried about him. JJ Watt's an interesting one. I've never, I have interviewed him, but it was a long time ago. He's never come on Good Morning Football. I don't know if he knows the segment. Not sure. Uh, Andrew Whitworth. Wit is my guy. He'll be good. All right, and then you get into the celebrities. Tiffany Haddish. These are the people that I'm going to be seeing backstage. Not to even mention Kelly Clarkson, who I love. But I don't know if she's going to be into it. Tiffany Haddish. She into it? Don't know. Never met her. Joel McHale is a great one. Now, Joel McHale I'm buddies with. And he'll know it. And he's seen it. And so he'll have my back. And Joel McHale is completely fearless. He gave the, like... He to the uh, the correspondence dinner like roast during like the Obama years. He got up there and was making jokes about Jessica Simpson who was there, and I think he's a Seahawks fan, so it was like Richard Sherman jokes. Like he was just doing everything. So Joel is totally fearless. He'll have my back. Meek Mill can't speak to that. <laughs> Eagles fan, sir. Tracy Morgan never met him. Kind of a wild man. Hopefully he'll be into it. And then some other people who I don't even know. So, uh, I don't know, thrilled to do it, can't wait to do it, but the, the butterflies are just banging against the sides of my stomach. This is not like I announced a draft pick for the Buffalo Bills, which I was also a little nervous for, but then you get out there, it's this sea of people, and they're just fans, they're just Joe Hardhat football fan in his Bengals jersey or his Seahawks jersey, just screaming and saying whatever, whatever. This is like people in tuxedos. <laughs> And it's not just to get up there and, and then thrilled to announce this and it's like, that's the only way you can do it. So it kind of feels a little bit like sitting down with um, like your family on Thanksgiving and just blasting like really, really, really loud, heavy metal music. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be into it and it may just crash and burn. It may go to cringe city, but we'll find out real fast. And believe you me. We will, be do we will be doing Kyle Brandt's basement the next day, which will be the Friday show. And I'll have a full recap and everything I was seeing as I was running around screaming. I mean, Mahomes might be there, even though he's playing in the game. He might be sitting front row in the MVP seat. Don't know what he's going to think. Nervous as hell, though. Just I, I just... And, and I told that to some friends, like, oh, no, you'll be great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Easy for you to say. Nervous. We will have the first exclusive recap show on Kyle Brandt's basement this Friday. Watch Angry Runs. Oh man, even saying it out loud makes me nervous. Thursday night, NFL honors. It could be a total disaster. So you don't want to miss that. Let's get to what's hilarious. It's Eagles fans, they're hilarious. You might hate them, you might be one of them. I don't care. I have great love for those people. I, uh, during their Super Bowl run, um, became something of an Eagles enthusiast. I really believed in them and certain people didn't and they really ran with that concept. But uh, because of that, working for the NFL, I got to attend the first ever Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl parade and it was glorious. It's really, really, really cold, gray, terrible day in February, but it was this parade through downtown Philadelphia that culminated at the Rocky Steps in front of the museum. And it was Jason Kelsey giving the speech and everything. I was right there. And I just remember like there was I was standing amongst like, you know, Brian Westbrook and just all these great Eagles. McNabb, I think was there. Um, not a part of them, but just like observing them. Just, it was just so cool to see. It was a very surreal day. But the fans that day, that was one of the most R-rated days of my life. I was offered everything you could possibly imagine in terms of, 
chemicals, ingestibles, unmentionable, just everything. To, and just because I was a guy standing there, he just wanted to share it. And I remember talking to some Philadelphia police officers who were standing around. And I was going like, you know, you expect a lot of trouble today. Do you expect a lot of fights? And he's like, no, 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 that's not how it is. You know, they kind of police each other and they're just so happy today. They don't start fighting each other. You know, the opposing fans maybe, but not each other. And, it, and it's true. It didn't turn out that way. The one memory I have from that is in the middle of this, this celebration, there's thousands, countless thousands of people just for blocks and blocks and blocks, just massive, massive crowd. And suddenly someone started around me, started saying that, like, did you hear, did you hear on this day of this Eagles Super Bowl celebration, there's, there's an eagle in the tree, an actual bald eagle, and it's a sign, and it's this unbelievable sign from, from God or whoever that an eagle in Philadelphia sitting here must have flown by and landed in this tree. And I go, no way, I gotta go see this. And people are flocking around this tree, and they're pointing up at it. And I go to get my phone, like we all did, and everybody's just shooting this picture of this eagle, and it's way, way up there. And I look, and I look, and I look, and I go, wait a second. That's not a bald eagle. That is an idiot in a bald eagle costume who climbed up like 100 feet in the air and is definitely going to fall and die. It was a guy in an eagle costume way up there in the tree. I don't know how they got down. I don't know how he got down. He might not have. But it was, a, it was such a laugh out loud moment of like, what? that guy's going to die. What is he doing up there? And there's more of that coming because we'll just go through a parade right now. We'll have a parade right here through the basement of Eagles fans and antics. Greasing the poles is not just a fake term. If you've heard that term, um, they there is a duty in, in a detail in downtown Philadelphia whereby they will go to the light poles and they lubricate them with this sloppy grease so as they are impossible to climb because people just wanna climb up on the light poles and say, yeah, go birds, and swing from them. So someone is on greasing poles detail where they, I don't know what the substance is, a Crisco or some sort of thing that the composite thing, and they take it with their little spackle thing and they just grease it so that when you try to climb the pole, your hands will slide down like you're a cartoon. I love that they have to do that. Imagine that was your job. How much does the pole greasing guy or girl make? Whatever it is, it's not enough. And then aren't the poles just disgustingly sticky and gross afterwards? Is there a pole cleaner person too? I don't know. Um, but here's some more. Eagles fans had a bit of their opening act during the NFC title game when the 49ers were in town and what we thought was going to be a great, great battle. And so the 49ers follow this, have Nick Bosa on their team. And so Nick Bosa's brother, Joey, who had been eliminated in the prior round by the Chiefs, showed up and like the Eagles fans are just all over him. And it resulted in <laughs> Joey Bosa deciding to respond to Eagles fans, which you never do because it leads to things like this. The guy who's not playing today, Bosa! Those lines, Bosa. It's surprising because uh, Joey Bosa has always seemed like a really sharp guy to me. <laughs> That's, I mean, we even edited that to take out some of the worst parts. But I just love how <laughs> he goes pretty much immediately to the, I'm rich, you're poor. 
just rough, rough look for Bosa. And of course, I'm sure the fans were obnoxious and I'm sure they were all over him for a long time. But like, what, what do you expect, Joey? Come on. Because I'm rich. Awesome. That's Joey Bosa who once won the Defensive Rookie of the Year and I interviewed him afterwards, asked, what does this mean to you? It means a lot and I can't wait to try to win it next year. You know, you can't win, you can't win the Rookie of the Year twice, but really good football player. So there was that. Do you know, are you familiar with Jello Man? Jello Man is a thing. He does headstands while crowd surfing. And, <laughs> and people uh, sling uh, jello shots. He slings jello shots to the people. So there he is. He's got this backpack on. He's doing a crowd surfing thing on some sort of board, doing a headstand. And this is all in this beautiful, historic downtown Philadelphia for which our founding fathers created the, the cradle of democracy. And now you have a long-haired moron throwing jello shots to countless people who have to catch them with one hand because the other hand's holding their phone so they can film jello man. This is an Eagles fan right here. And did he make those jello shots? They're kind of difficult to make jello shots. Does his mother make them? Does his wife? Does his kids? I don't know much about jello man other than that's a very specific parlor trick. The headstand crowd surf jello shot toss. But it is really a wonderful gumbo of Eagles fan base. It looked like, look at it, he has some sort of bow and arrow too. That's all kinds of fun. You see Jello Man, dude, throw me a shot. And you know if they win, they'll be at the parade and he'll be throwing the shots at Lane Johnson. He'll be catching them and taking them. Um, how about this? Fans were celebrating on top of a bus stop recently. <sighs> so the problem is they don't grease the bus stops. They need to take that whole bus stop. When I say bus stop, I mean it's that little plexiglass shelter that you can sit in if you're waiting for the bus if it's raining. There's easily a good nine fans standing on top of it. Surprise, surprise, it breaks, it shatters, and then people cheer, even though someone might have like severed an artery or broken their leg, and they just go down and they put it on Tic Tac with a very creative caption, Philly fans are wild! Um... Ashley Kilos Mar, that's what she goes by. She was one of the fans who fell through the bus stop and um, she told the story. Oh, there he is. Mama, Mommy Kilos, whose Twitter is a saint with $3. <laughs> story told in four pictures. All right, let's see the pictures. Let's tell the story. There's um, several people sitting on top of the bus stop, on top of it. She got some really nice Jordans on. And then there she is. Now she looks like she's maybe dancing on top of the bus stop with some big baggy cargo pants on. That's two pictures. Oh, no. <laughs> now she's being attended to by paramedics. And she has a, a neck harness on. And she had her pink uh, eagle sweatshirt. In the prior photograph, she was dancing. And now, like, she's ready for a spine board. And yet, she's still smiling. Is there a fourth picture? Give us a Disney ending. Give it. Oh, <laughs> no. That's rough. She's in a hospital. <laughs> she's, she's connected to wires, and she's got the neck immobilizer on. I hate to see this, Ashley. This is not a happy story. And yet, I feel like Sunday night, you might be on top of another bus stop. Be careful, please, out there. Come on. Nobody wants to end up in the hospital. That's pretty funny, though. Um, how about Pillar Guy? Remember Pillar Guy? Last time the Eagles made their run, he was running alongside a sub subway, and someone was filming... And there he goes, and he goes, ah! <laughs> so, Pillar Guy, I know this dude. I, I've hung out with him. I got to interview him once. Just loop it. It's the greatest loop of all time. 
and everyone's going to the game or coming from the game. I don't remember. And it's like, if, if you could just create an Eagles fan in your brain that is perfect, he's got the Dawkins jersey over the hoodie that's hanging out the back. He's running like a total imbecile to catch up with the train. He gets he runs right into a pillar, and it looks like he might go down into the track and had his legs cut off at best, but maybe die. Neither. He recovered from it. I know this guy. Uh, Jagar Desai. He has a family man. He has kids. He brought him out uh, when the Eagles were in London. I think the NFL might have brought him to London. I don't know if they did. But um, he says it's on an at- he, uh, Wait, let me read this right. Turns out he still runs into a pillar before every Eagles playoff game. So that's like his thing. Like Fireman Ed used to say, the J-E-T. This guy runs into a pillar. <laughs> uh, it's on an actual subway platform or in his living room, wherever it may be. He still does it. And he tweeted he is making the trip to Arizona. Quote, let me know if you have any solid pillar recommendations. Like, he is the best of all time. The Babe Ruth, the Michael Jordan, the Michael Jackson of running into pillars. If there is a stationary support beam of any kind, a pillar guy will just straight up run into it. Is he going to at one point dislocate his shoulder or concuss himself or something? I mean, the pillar running into game is an unforgiving game. And yet, I guess you have to do it. He has found his niche. Pillar guy. He'll be in Arizona. Watch. I'll be in Arizona. It's, I, I, will be, I will tweet a picture of me and pillar guy. When you go to these Super Bowl weekends, you have a way of just running into people. It, it, most people are at the same three or four locations, watering holes or hotels, or certainly outside the game itself. I'd be willing to predict right here on the air, we'll play this clip back, that I will run into the Eagles pillar guy and we will take a picture together. And I'm so excited to play this clip back because it will be followed by the picture itself. Mark it. I will find pillar guy, or he will find me. Either way, pillar guy, let's get together. Um, there's also been reports that uh, Philadelphia courts are full of go birds responses instead of here during jury duty roll call. So that you show up for jury duty. Kyle Brandt, go birds. We get it. Michael Flynn, go birds. Stephen A. Smith, go birds. Eagles pillar guy. No, he's not here. He's in the hospital. He ran into a pillar. He's with the girl with the neck immobilizer. So they're all in. They're already doing it. Get ready. If you find this disgusting and if you hate the Eagles fans, that's part of the deal. You're supposed to hate them. They want you to hate them. They're not necessarily a lovable fan base or a warm fan base, but they are who they are. And get ready because you're going to get them a lot. We talked yesterday about how nice and friendly and Midwestern Chiefs fans are. I don't categorize Eagles fans that way. I would never describe them that way. But they're really fun and they're really out of control. And again, this is a big one. Two Super Bowls in a handful of years. I'm sorry, I know it's your worst nightmare, but I will be courtside for it. I can't wait to watch. Let's get to... Mmm. Takes on takes. Come on. Hey, you know what I love? Omaha Steaks. Yeah, baby. This Valentine's Day, fall in love with flavor. When you save on delectable dishes and tantalizing tastes from Omaha Steaks with their Love at First Bite sale. It's the perfect time to celebrate your better half and bring the steakhouse experience home for Valentine's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code BASEMENT at checkout and get $30 off your order. That's $30 off an endless variety of delicious gourmet foods, from perfectly aged tender steaks to juicy burgers, decadent desserts, and classic comfort meals. Every bite is guaranteed to be perfect and is backed by their 100% satisfaction guarantee. 
Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code BASEMENT at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. All right, this is where I judge the takes. I give my take on the take. We judge them with numbers from one to 10. No one's ever gotten a 10 in the segment, though we've had some nines. And the categories are delivery, creativity, and heat. It's Super Bowl week. If you can't have any of those, let alone all three, what are you doing giving takes? Here we go, guys. This is gonna be a good one. We've done this matchup before. It's Michael Irvin versus Stephen A. Smith. Let's start with number 88, Dallas Cowboys. Michael Irvin has a sterling nine and three record in takes on takes. He usually wins 7.7 average is great. That is very high. He's up first into the arena. Michael Irvin, ESPN's first take program. On the Jones boys, Jerry and Steven Jones, saying that they are committed to Dak Prescott at quarterback. Let's have a listen. I'm, I'm totally with Jerry Jones. I'm totally with, with Steven Jones when they say right here, Dak is our guy. I never heard anyone say, let's start building something, but let's get rid of what we have going right now that's pretty good. I know Dak threw some interceptions this year, but Dak has never. Let me say this again. Never, 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 never. Never, ever. He's never had a losing season unless you count the two and three he went in 2020 when he had hurt. But he's never had a losing season. In the last two seasons, he's had back-to-back led this team, the number one in the offense. He's the number one offense with him on the football field. Stop talking crazy. Stop even acting like, oh, it's time to get rid of that. And go find who. They don't have quarterbacks sitting out here on the apple tree to go plump and put in your lineup. You can't find another Dak Prescott. And we made the mistake the one time by holding out like we're going to get a better deal. The number's only going to continue to go north from here. You sign Dak. You lock him in. Jerry and Steven, don't make the same mistake you made this year and not have enough weapons Michael for that. Irvin. Because if Amari Cooper was on that team, we would be right here in Phoenix oh, really? right now. So that, and I know oh, that's Jerry where and Steven are So that's where we're going to go. You got to stop doing that. that. You hold hold on, this on, on. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, we would have been right here. <laughs> if T.Y. Hilton would have signed earlier, we would be right here. Dak Prescott <laughs> can get us. All right. That got real hot real fast at the end. <laughs> that, that, that jumped up a notch. So Michael's doing his thing about, you know, Dak Prescott and the money, the money, the money. Did you catch the last 15 seconds of that? Because it, it went from simmer to boil quickly. Just when you thought he was another Cowboys take, you know, like, <laughs> Mike gets to the previously unspoken if we had had Amari Cooper, we would have we would have won. I I forgot Amari Cooper was even on the Cowboys. Um, I haven't thought of that in a long time. Let alone, you know, when they lost to Brock Purdy and Dak was throwing interceptions. Nary a soul that day or the day since then, any day, has said, "Man, watching that game, the only thing that comes to mind was that we needed Amari Cooper, and that would have made a difference." That alone is a take. And yet, Mike, at the buzzer, at the buzzer as he's about to stop, puts up a, a, a prayer from the opposite free throw line 
a 60-foot shot that if we had signed T.Y. Hilton earlier, the Cowboys would have won. What is it? Won what? Who knows? The, the, the divisional, the conference, they would have won the whole thing. If only we had had random respected veteran T.Y. Hilton who showed up off the street to catch a few balls, that would have made the difference. We would have beaten the 49ers for sure. Then we would have trounced the Eagles and T.Y. Hilton would have had 13 catches and two touchdowns. And then the Chiefs, T.Y. would be the MVP. T.Y. Hilton, you just won the Super Bowl for the Dallas Cowboys. What are you going to do next? I'm going to Disneyland. Thank you, T.Y. Hilton, who was on the Colts for 40 years and then showed up for 12 seconds with the Cowboys. Now that's good. That was really good. I was just ready to be like, ah, you know, five or six, Mike, not your best stuff. And then he went with the boom Amari Boom, T.Y. Hilton would have won it. It's so incredible. So incredible. Nine. Nine. I it, Listen, th the last 10 seconds were a 10, but the prior 30 to 40 seconds was like a five. So I'm going to give him a nine. I can't give him a 10 because the first was a little, a little fatty. But at the end, that was awesome. That's what the kind of stuff that we look for. Staring in the face of a waving, interrupting Stephen A. Smith and saying, no, no, no. I will get in my T.Y. Hilton point before I give you the floor. That's what the kind of stuff we're looking for in takes on takes. That's a nine. Which, look, this is kind of a meta here. Now Stephen A. Smith has to come into the segment. Is it the same topic? No, it's not. Very different topic. Stephen A. Smith, only four and eight in takes on takes. And he's looking at four or nine square in the face because he has to get a nine to tie. 6.8 average. You're going to have to do way better than that. Stephen A. has a theory on Raiders receiver Devontae Adams recruiting Aaron Rodgers to join him in Las Vegas. I can't wait to hear it. Let's go. I smell a rat. I smell a rat, Michael Irvin. We have missed the story all year long, Molly. Why? Oh, no, 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 fellas. It put all three of us up on the screen right we now. Lost. We've no, missed what, it. What we got here, right. Yeah. This has been the plan all along. Boy, hey, that, boy. That, you saying that, something. That, 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 let me tell you something. Stay with me, Michael Aaron. Stay with me here. Aaron Rodgers, I couldn't understand, Molly. How in God's name can... The greatest talent at the quarterback this side of Patrick Mahomes yeah. that any of us have ever seen in the history of the National Football League. <laughs> How in God's name could this man let the best wide receiver in football walk out the damn door? Okay. How are you not fighting with Devontae Adams to stay? How are you not fighting with the Packers organization right, to right. keep him? How are you not making sure if you got to hit, kidnap him, handcuff him, you understand? I mean, damn it, do something to him to keep him in Lambeau Field. How the hell did you let this happen? And I have sat here holding Aaron Rodgers accountable for that. And then I listen to this, and I'm like, wait a minute. Devontae Adams goes out there for a year. There isn't mm -hmm. anybody in football that would ever dream of picking Derek Carr ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Derek Carr was approaching the last year of his deal before they could ultimately get rid of him. And then Aaron Rodgers can follow him to Vegas. 
Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen because there has to be some capitulation on the part of the Green Bay Packers. But the fact that Aaron Rodgers has been talking like this, Michael Irvin, that tells me him and Devontae Adams had this in the works all along. Aaron Rodgers wants to be in Vegas. That's a 10. That's a 10. That's our first 10 ever. That is perfect. What did I say? Delivery, creativity, and heat. Across the board, it's got them all. The delivery is <laughs> a pro wrestling promo with the incredible, over-the-top vocal performance. And then Aaron Rodgers can follow him to Vegas. The, the pitchy voice, the deep voice, the incredulous voice. There was a, a capitulation in there, the delivery, for sure. Creativity, I've not heard that take, guys. Maybe you've seen it, I have not. I have not heard, and if I'm following this right, I hope, that Devontae and Rodgers got together and made a plan that there'll be a one gap year and then I'll come join you in Vegas after I get the hell out of here. The start of, I smell a rat. I love that. I love anytime a TV performer uh, starts dictating camera angles, he does the, put all three of us up on the screen. Cause he had a whole vision here. He wanted to see Michael. He wanted to see Molly. Who at one point Molly just goes, yeah, which I love. Molly's always the hero of these. And then Heat, obviously, that the whole thing about Devontae saying, uh, my best friend Derek Carr, I've always wanted to play with him, it's my dream to be a Raider, that's all made up. All of this stuff about Rodgers bringing along Christian Watson and leaning on Alan Lazard and Robert Tyne and Aaron Jones, it's all a cover, it's all a ruse that they played on the Packers, on the league, on you, on me, and that from the get-go, they had a plan. Give me a year. I'll be there. Having no idea that the Raiders are even, that the Packers are even going to trade Rodgers. <laughs> He's not a free agent. He doesn't get to pick. He's a Packer. So it's still dependent completely. Their plan that they made up is that the Packers are going to trade him to the Raiders who, the Packers have to be willing. The Raiders have to be willing. Never mind all that. It's, that's, that's nonsense. That's not what this segment is about. That's a 10. Uh, I laughed. I was entertained. Uh, I was uh, sort of perversely thought-provoking, I did not want the segment to end. I was not. I was disappointed when Stephen A. was done because I thought maybe there might have been one grand finale in there. But that's it. That's our first ever 10. And guys, that was a 10 beating a 9. Again, his delivery was all over the place like you want it in a good way. The heat was there. The originality was there. That is how you do it. That's why you lift all those weights. We've been waiting all season for this. Stephen A. 10. Michael Irvin, nine, in an instant classic that will re-air in perpetuity for years and years to come. Stephen A, just absolutely incredible. I tell you, you smell a rat, I smell perfection. Let's get to something we call rant awareness. Come on. Flynn, you're a, you're a historian, you're a documentarian, you just witnessed something, your thoughts. 
We just, as a production staff, we just hit our goal. I feel like we can set sail into retirement now. Like we've been looking <laughs> for that 10. You should have heard the eruption when you put up the 10 on the uh, comms app we communicate over. Uh, that was golden. That's what we were looking for. Uh, completely bizarre take. And what you've always said, yeah, heat, creativity, delivery. But the other thing you want in that take is that you talk about it after the fact. And both of these takes yeah. were things that we talk about after the fact. You mentioned the Devante thing is bizarre because he would never screw over his guy, Derek Carr, to bring in his other guy. Oh, and the T.Y. The, the Hilton button on that Back. entire take was what he came in the they made the playoffs if he came at the yeah. beginning of the regular season how would have that been any different it was that that was a good matchup it was great and it's like i remember the red sox fans when they finally won it with kurt Schilling, and they're like oh, well now i can die I, I can die happy now we got our 10 we got it and we we don't have to chase it anymore we got our white whale and it wasn't 10 to 6. It wasn't like, you know, no. Dan Orlovsky came in and threw some you know, mid at 6 and, you know, lost 10 to 6. He needed a 10 to beat the T.Y. Hilton, would have won it for the Cowboys, and he stuck it. Stephen A., immortal. All right, rant awareness, what do we got? Yeah, not to discredit Dan Orlovsky. He's won this segment many times as well. Many times. Uh, to brand awareness, lost in all the Super Bowl madness yesterday was Sean Payton's introduction as Broncos head coach. He was asked about Russell Wilson having his own personal coach in the facility last year, and here's what he had to say. 30 seconds. Coach, uh, Russell Wilson had a personal coach, Jake Hughes, in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Right, how do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building access to players? Yeah, that's foreign to me that that's not going to take place here i mean i I'm, I'm i'm unfamiliar with it but our staff will be here our players will be here and that'll be it um that was good it was a badass quote i like that it was very natural he tried to deflect the question without i'm not familiar with that the reporter did a good job and persisted got the answer um see here's the thing about peyton He's, he's unapologetic. He, he doesn't try to, to like be your best friend. I don't think he tries to be the best friend to the media, even though he was very friendly as part of the media. He'll give you a terse answer, but he'll also like, I don't care. Everything about that, all his body language was like, I'm the captain now. This, no, a personal coach. No, that's not gonna happen. No, of course not. Why? That's, I'm the coach now. I'm paid. My salary's not released. It's only leaked, but it's crazy money. And um, Russell Wilson's stock is really low. And people are wondering if he can play. And hopefully he comes with his hat in hand and he has his ego checked. And the first thing that's going to go is whatever this impersonal coach, guru, whatever the hell. No, get the hell out of here. I coached Drew Brees all the way to the Hall of Fame. He didn't have that crap. I love it. I really love it. And I think you need someone who is going to say, like, Russ, enough with the crap. Get together. Stop with all that stuff. Just play football. You're very talented. And... Step one of that was that answer to that question, and I really liked it, Flynn. Yeah, this is, I was surprised by it, but this is, can they be on Hard Knocks last, next year? Because mm. the, coming from a Jets background, Zach Wilson kind of did the same thing in his first year, where two or three weeks into the season, he went home to BYU to watch a game and came back with his QB coach, and all of a sudden he was on the Jets staff, and he got, uh. he got heat for that, and the coaching staff was honest about it fairly honest about it this is russell wilson it's surprising to see peyton even though he is sean peyton come in and just have a quote like that it's uh, going to be an interesting year in denver 
Yeah, I, and I mean this as a compliment to Sean Payton. I think as a coach, like he ha he can be kind of a jerk, like, and I, I think you need to be. I think Nathaniel Hackett is like everybody's best friend, and like so cool and so nice and so friendly and so silly, and like everybody loves him. But he, it's like he's not saying that Russ, you're not bringing your coach in here. Like it's, I think you need someone who's a little bit of a jerk, and I think they got it. Yeah. Uh, back to the Eagles. Nick Foles was in Philadelphia and reporters grabbed him to ask who he's pulling for in the Super Bowl. He 100% is rooting for the team he won the Super Bowl with and also added that when his career is done, he'd love to retire as an Eagle. Kyle, your thoughts? I don't like the one day retirement thing. I just think it's very corny and it's just, I've talked about it for years. It's, it's this thing that happens where you played with one team for a long time, and then you were with another team for a while, or maybe even several teams, but then no, you sign inside a one-day contract, and you retire as a Ram or Bear or whatever. I, I think it's just, it's it's very corny. No one thinks that you retired as that. It's this little hair-splitting technicality. But in coming across a lot of NFL players over the last several years, for some, pe some people it's very important to them. So I don't like it, but more to the point here, Nick Foles, I think, has had the single most interesting NFL career ever. Not greatest, not the longest, certainly most interesting and most unique. When it finally comes to an end, it's, it, we're going to look back on it and be like, what the hell was this? Just a quick synopsis, all right? He's at Michigan State College. He's in the same quarterback room as Kirk Cousins and Brian Hoyer. Okay, he's in Michigan State. It's a crazy room. That's a lot of years of NFL experience and many high-profile starts with those three guys. Leaves Michigan State and goes to Arizona. Third-round pick of the Eagles. He's there for a couple of years, all right? He did crazy things as, as an Eagles quarterback, including threw seven touchdowns in a game one time. Eagles done with him. Goes to the Rams. He is cut on national television on Hard Knocks by Jeff Fisher for the Rams. It's embarrassing. Like, that's the low. That's the end of your career. No. Then he goes to the Chiefs for a year. Then he goes to the Eagles, in which he is the backup, has a miraculous run, runs one of the most famous plays in Super Bowl history, in which he catches a touchdown pass and beats Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, a game in which Brady broke every Super Bowl passing record and was on fire, and Nick Foles was better. This is the same career 20 seconds ago that Jeff Fisher cut him on Hard Knocks. Then the next year, he's again has the Eagles in the playoffs because Carson Wentz is, is out again. And they lose because Alshon Jeffrey drops a pass against New Orleans. Now, this guy's a legend in Philadelphia, right? No, he's gone. Next year, he's on the Jaguars. Jaguars, as the starting quarterback, gets hurt early, gone. Next year, he's on the Bears. Bears, as the starting quarterback, he's there with Trubisky and it's weird. And he's on that crazy team with the... that just keeps losing. It's Matt Nagy, gone. He's back on the Colts starts again and the guy's career won't end he made so much money won so many games what super bowl mvp has been on that many teams has been cut that dramatically by that many times it's just so interesting and he he's like written a book about the, the his whole journey and he's just this guy in the last few years back up for the bears back up for the colts Back up to Gardner Minshew on Jacksonville because Gardner played well when he got hurt. It's just so interesting. We've seen guys who hung on for a long time, the Josh McCown types, of course. Those are just the, the, the Chase Daniels. They're just around for a long time because they're really good teammates and they're capable backups. Those guys are not Super Bowl MVPs. It doesn't work that way. They don't catch the Philly special on a fourth and goal against the Belichick Patriots. You don't get to that high 
and then go down that low. So interesting. I just, I, I love the way he conducts himself. It's such a bizarre, all over the place, fascinating career. There's a million careers that are better in their own ways. There's a million that are worse. I, I can't think of one that is that unique and that interesting. And if it finally is over, I don't care what team he retires with. It's the most interesting career I've ever watched and ever traced. And I'm just happy that I was part of it, Flynn. Yeah, he's got one year left on his deal with the Colts. He just turned 34 years old. Hard to imagine with an, a career as fascinating as his has been that it just ends with a boring year on the Colts. Something exciting yeah. is going to happen. Uh, finally, sure. interesting news from AMC Theaters, the company rolling out Sightline at AMC, a ticket pricing initiative based on seat location. There are three different seat pricing options. You've got your standard Sightline. These are seats that are the most common, available for the traditional cost of a movie ticket. You've got your value sightline. These are seats in the front row of the auditorium available at a lower price, although only available to AMC Stubbs members. And then you have your preferred sightline seats in the middle of the auditorium, like your premium seats priced at a premium to the standard sightline seats. Kyle, your thoughts on this? A lot. They're hustling. The movie game ain't what it used to be. The movie theater game ain't what it used to be. It's interesting that most of the discussion is around sight lines. I don't... Sight lines I think of as being in a ballpark and there's a pillar in front of you or you get a better view of the catcher. To me, the whole movie seating game is just about how close you are to the screen. So maybe that's their way of saying sight line, but you got front, you got middle, and you got back. Now, back in the day when there were no reserved seats, or maybe even now that there are, you would show up two minutes before the movie starts to see whatever the hell you were seeing, Independence Day or Con Air, and you didn't get there in time and it's a popular movie, and it'd be you and your three friends, and there were four seats available because they sold you a ticket, but the four seats were dead front row, right in front of the screen. And it wasn't these auditorium style things, or certainly no mechanical loungers. You would spend two plus hours like this, looking up at the screen that is coming here and you couldn't see squat, nothing that was going on over here, nothing here. You would just look up, it hurts your neck, it was a terrible experience and you were paying the same ticket price as everybody else in the theater. Those days are gone now, but I think maybe even the recliner chairs in the front aren't as comfortable to see. I, I am very, very particular about my movie seating. I'm always last row in the house, last row. Last row center is what I got. If I have, if I go to a movie at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday and no one's there, I will go walk my butt all the way up the steps and go into the middle row. So I'd be willing to pay a premium for that. I don't know if people are rolling their eyes on this, like as if it's, you know, airlines who are charging for use the overhead bin. I don't know, movie theaters taking a pounding. I hope they stay in business. I don't want that industry to go away. If they make a few extra bucks by charging for seats, that's fine. But I will pay a premium to sit in the back row and I don't care about front row disaster back row. Flynn, where do you come out in the movie theater? Like where, where are you sitting? What are you doing? I am a big fan of front row, not the seats at the very beginning, which like you said, you don't have to crane your head to look up anymore. They're decent seats, but the front row, that's the elevated uh, platform where you have the bar in front of you that you can put your feet up. Uh, also like to be on the aisle of that row. That's why I don't really understand that the preferred seating is smack dab in the middle of the theater. Yeah. That's not something that would appeal to me. I don't like having strangers on both sides of me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think based on this pricing model, I don't think your seats are part of the premium model. I think you're good in the back mm. row paying the price that you had been paying. 
I think they should add something too, and I think they should have a phone section where, look, we know that no one's supposed to be on their phone and they've told us that for years. But we also know that a whole bunch of you are gonna do it anyway because you can't go two hours without looking at your phone. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna offer, this section is gonna be like the smoking section used to be in restaurants. Be on your bleeping phones. We're not even gonna try to stop it. There'll be no usher, no complaints. But best believe if you are in the no phone section and you are caught using your phone, it's an automatic ejection. You're just out. You're out, your privileges are revoked. So I think that the keep people off the phones in the movie theater thing is a losing battle. They've been fighting it for 20 years. I don't think they're ever gonna win it. And I don't mean, not even mean people ringing, I just mean looking at the brightness from the phone. I think they should just tap out and say, we lost, you're gonna be on your phones, but we kindly request you be in the phone section so you and all the other nudniks who can't look at the, your phone for two hours can look at it and the rest of us can watch the movie in peace. Flynn, would, would that go over? I, th I think so. I think that's a good take. I want to know where you stand on it. What is your, this is a dartboard roulette question that I'm wasting here. What is your cell phone in a movie theater etiquette? I think like everybody else, I think I'm going to sit here and claim that I don't look at my phone and then I look at my phone. <laughs> I, think, I think it also depends on the film. Look, if I'm going to see the Robert Pattinson Batman, I'm gonna sit down and enjoy it. If, if I'm gonna go see what Veggie Tales or some crap that my kids are watching, yeah, I'm not watching that movie. So I also think it is someone right next to me. Like I'm just basic consideration. But um, if it was coming down to the, you'd have to pay two extra bucks to sit in the phone section. I'm gonna sit in the non-phone section and risk ejection. Okay, fair enough. I am 100%. Maybe it's because I only these days go to the crap that your kids want to see. Uh, I am 100% team. Look at your phone the entire, not the entire time, but have no qualms about taking it out at any point. Oh, there's a very clearly worded little PSA before the film, Flynn, that says, please, please keep your phones off for the whole thing. You just ignore that? You think you're above that? Ignore it completely. <laughs> We all do, <laughs> but as long as your ringer doesn't go off at this point, that's the win. Of course um, not. All right, Flynn, yeah. that's it. We'll see you tomorrow. Last show before I take off Arizona. Excellent job today. Thank you for putting together this show while tending to your child who wouldn't sleep. See you, man. <laughs> all right, uh, Flynn talked about the dartboard questions because we do one at the end of every show. There's 20 numbers surrounding this dartboard. There's 20 topics that correspond to those numbers. I will hit one of them on the way out the door. Today's number is going to be, that is a nice nine. A nice yellow colored nine at about 10 o'clock on the clock. Nine, best non-football stadium. All right, I like that one. Um, you know what stadium I love? And, and I've, I've been to a fair share of, of ballparks and certainly been to the ones in New York and grew up going to Wrigley and what we used to call Comiskey, where the White Sox played. Um, my personal favorite, and I don't know where the sponsorship is on it, this, I don't know what it's called. I love where the San Francisco Giants play. Uh, I, when I went to, I think it was called Pac Bell. Don't know what it's called now. But um, it's if you've never been to the Giants game, first of all, San Francisco is just beautiful and it's fun and it's sort of just the urban area is just intoxicating. What's it called, Comerica? Oracle Park, all right, Oracle, Oracle Park. Um, but I got to go back in the day. The first time I ever went there was in the heat of the Barry Bonds home run chase. And I'm talking about the big one where he hit 73. I was there. I was in the outfield. It was, I think he had like 68 at the time. And there was this element that he might have hit the ball to where I am. And there's all these guys out there jockeying for position. But even if it hadn't been that, 
The idea that the ballpark backs up to water is so cool. And you've seen it on TV a million times. You know, there's this little mezzanine in the walkway beyond the bleachers. And then behind that, it's it's water. It's 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 ocean. It's it's kayakers and boats. And most parks you go to, it's it's just urban buildings or a parking lot or maybe some cool great organization, the Giants and who knows who's in town. Maybe it's the St. Louis Cardinals or whatnot, but you just can't lose. You walk around, you eat these garlic fries that they eat there. It's just like this special concession they have. And if the game is boring or if it's just baseball and you don't feel like looking at it the whole time, you just go and look at the water and take pictures. I just love it. There's the giant baseball glove out there. I mean, I love a lot of them. I, where the Padres play, where the Brewers play, but um, that Giants ballpark is just absolutely awesome. And they've had so many good players. They have really good memories of going there. Both the, you know, a little older, a little younger, just great place. Um, so that's it, guys. We're out of here for the day. I'll have one more show for tomorrow, and then I'm leaving. I almost said Las Vegas. That was last week. This is Arizona. I'm going to Arizona Thursday morning. NFL honors Thursday night. Who the hell knows? Until then, thank you for joining me. Love you. See you later. Exit through the garage. Close the door on your way out.